Positive rotation. Ignition. Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Thanks for listening. Coming up, a virtual town hall with the 126th Air Refueling Wing Commander, Colonel Tom Jackson, and Wing Command Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Christina Rizzo. There are two, I didn't know this, we have two financial counselors available to us. I didn't, uh, well, I should say that I only learned this recently. The uh, personal financial counselors are called uh, Drew Weckbach. You can reach him at 314-307-3300. His uh, email is pfc.mo.nosc at ziders.com. That's Z-E-I-D-E-R-S.com. He's available to meet off base during the week and uh, during drill. There's also uh, Jonathan Bracewell. You can reach him at 618-304-7311. You can reach uh, Jonathan at pfc.scott at us.af at ziders.com. That's z-e-i-d-e-r-s.com. He's he's located on base uh, Monday through Friday. You can also meet with him. Uh, during drill by request. You can call them, you can text them, email them anytime to uh, talk to a a personal financial advisor. If you uh, are a counselor, if you have questions, they can help with budgeting, uh, discuss options for financial assistance, understanding or updating your TSP, and even comparing the benefits of a potential new job. The the Family Child Care Program allows Air National Guard parents to use licensed and affiliated homes during drill weekends for free. Care is funded through an Air Force contract and must be approved through the 375th Family Child Care Office. Families needing care must complete an expense expanded child care form. If you have questions, please call 618-256-8156. I'll make a note of that to put uh, some of these email addresses and uh, these phone numbers on in the description of the podcast. Well, it's finally here. I don't know if you heard last um, the last podcast. My son was on it, and he said it's going to snow uh, at the end of uh, on New Year's Day, and uh, he was pretty close to, to uh, being right about that. And uh, we may have some snow coming up here on the weekend. I'm, fi- I'm uh, recording this on January 12th. Uh, if we do have snow or whatnot, you want to get on base this weekend, uh, you can call the Scott Air Force Base Information Hotline, 618-256-7232, to check on uh, road conditions and things like that. You can also check the Scott Air Force Base webpage or the 126th Air Refueling Wing Facebook page. Coming up here on Roll Call, we'll hear how the wing is trying to bring the KC-46 here to the 126th. It would be amazing if we can get that new refueler. I feel like we have a pretty good chance, but you know, I guess I think the wing's awesome. But well, hopefully the rest of the Air Force thinks the same. Well, they do because we won our 10th Outstanding Unit Award. Chief Rizzo uh, discusses ways senior NCOs can support their junior troops. That's coming up right here on Roll Call. My name is Braden Wright. I'm looking to go towards civil engineering, further my education benefits, and better the civilian market. I'm Trady Romero. I'm in security forces, and I aspire to be a security forces officer.
Hi, we are the 126 recruiting team. I'm Master Sergeant Heather Wildey, recruiting flight chief. I'm Technical Sergeant Richard Olson, production recruiter. To learn more about career training with the 126, give us a call at 618-222-5701. But, but wait, wait, there's, there's more. more. Give us a call in the next five minutes and you could qualify for four years of free college tuition. Welcome to the 126th Air Refueling Wing Town Hall. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison, with the 126th Public Affairs Office. We're joined today by the Wing Commander, Colonel Tom Jackson, and the Wing Command Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Christina Rizzo. And before we start, Colonel Jackson, you wanted to say a few words? Yeah, so uh, welcome to 2022, everyone. Just wanted to give us, uh, we haven't done this in a while, so I just want to give you a quick overview and review of what we did in 2021. Uh, a short outlook into 2022, and then we're going to have a few questions and answer session here with uh, my friend, uh, Master Sergeant Ellison and the Chief. So a uh, quick review, if you look back uh, a year ago today, uh, we had no vaccine. Case numbers were pretty high, just like we are today, uh, and we were looking forward to getting a vaccine out and, and looking forward to what 2021 was going to bring us here at the 126th. And uh, fast forward through uh, a large force readiness exercise, a major inspection, of the large force readiness inspection, then followed shortly thereafter by a unit effectiveness inspection, which you folks just knocked it out of the park. It's unbelievably impressive. Uh, followed shortly by getting right back into our nuclear generation exercises and planning. Uh, lay on top of that, uh, in 2021, we had a large number of folks deployed for COVID support last year for about nine months, uh, doing the COVID uh, testing and vaccination sites all the way around the state. Um, on top of that, we got our 10th Air Force Outstanding Unit Award, our third in a row Distinguished Flying Unit from the Air National Guard, which puts us as top five in the Air National Guard of all 90 wings. And oh, by the way, we're the only air refueling wing that's done that. Uh, on top of that, we've gotten uh, uh, kudos on uh, multiple other uh, areas, including individual team and uh, unit level awards throughout the wing. So 2021 was just absolutely exceptional. And I want to thank everyone for all the work you did because it's not just that one time you did it. It, it took a lot of time and years and years of effort to get there. And, and I tell you, it was an exemplary year, that's for sure. So here we are, uh, 2022. Uh, it seems like a repeat of last January. We're starting over again with a high case count, but now we're 95% uh, vaccinated in the wing and uh, a few more catching up there. Uh, across the, the county and the region, the numbers are getting pretty high with the uh, Omicron and all that kind of stuff. But uh, by and large, uh, everyone's uh, getting through it. Uh, we have some cases here, of course, but uh, nothing major. Uh, it's cold, sniffles, that kind of thing. So uh, kind of normal stuff you're getting from Omicron. And um, still looking forward to what 22 is going to bring us. Uh, we have a, a couple deployments planned with Security Forces Operations Group and Maintenance Group. They'll be heading out uh, here coming up uh, just next month, actually, for Security Forces. And then Ops and Maintenance heads out this summer. And uh, still trying to get done everything we normally do. And uh, we have a nuclear inspection here in May. And, uh, and then we got some big events planned here in August, uh, potentially for uh, a pretty big anniversary, both the wing and the uh, 108 Air Fueling Squadron. So um, that's about what we're looking at. So I just want to give you hats up, and uh, I'll hand the floor back to uh, Sergeant Nelson here, and we'll see what we got for questions. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, Chief, you're the newest member of, uh, of the command staff. We'll start with you. Uh, how do you see, uh, as a senior enlisted advisor, how do you see your role in the wing? So um, I believe that the command chief is there to support the commander's um, ideas, decisions, and um, to promote, uh, basically to promote the development of our enlisted force. Um, and doing that by, you know, going back to the basics on skills training, uh, making sure people have the resources that they need to um, do their their training um, for readiness, the professional development. Um, to uh, I actually when when I get emails from the guard command chief, then I forward those emails, and within those emails are lots of development opportunities. So coming up, we have a enlisted development seminar that will be in on Saturday of UTA. And then also his first podcast, uh, just like your podcast, <laughs> he's going to have his first podcast um, in the middle of January. So try to promote that professional development and um, different courses and, and help people uh, really to inspire and provide, provide um, opportunities for all our airmen. 
Okay. Uh, sir, uh, we'll start. I know you touched on 2021. Uh, last year on the Roll Call podcast, I think you said that it was your first year of command was like running in water or something, running underwater or backwards maybe you even said that. Uh, your second year of command, how was that different from the first? Um, I, I would say I'm used to the water now, but it hasn't gotten any more shallow. Um, let's put it that way. Uh, I, I will say that the, the first year was tough because it was so new. Uh, there were so many new things. Uh, you, you walk into a new job and you have all that, the new things of wing command is different. I'd never done that. So it was, it was having to learn that job on top of a completely new thing, uh, meaning a pandemic, uh, was exceedingly difficult. And obviously with the rapidly changing guidance and, the, uh, you know, and all the challenges associated with that and trying to deploy and trying to do all the things that we would normally do, uh, that made it exceedingly difficult. Last year, uh, the second year was a little bit better and things had kind of stabilized. Um, as far as operations go, we were able to last summer make the turn the corner, so to speak, and work a little bit better toward uh, back to the basics, like the chief said, and, and let's get back to what our job is here in the wing. You know, our job here in the wing was you know, we're an operational flying wing. We're not a COVID response wing. And, uh, and that's the thing is, so trying to get back to the basics to get everybody back on, uh, on target with uh, getting the job done. Um, then of course the mandates came, uh, added another layer of uh, a challenge on top of, on top of that, and, uh, and now the Omicron variant. So it, it's a constant moving target that has been uh, not only a challenge for myself, my trying to you know, kind of take all the guidance and the available information out there and make sure that the team uh, and all the membership in the wing is, is fully aware of what's going on, but then managing all the issues that are associated with that. So it, it's been difficult. And uh, I tell you, the additional challenges that are out there have not made it easy. And I, I, I want to give thanks to not only to the membership that are, that are sticking with us and staying with us and being in mid-service, those that are new to the wing, that have decided, even through COVID in the last two years, have decided to raise their hand and, and swear into the 126th and, and join service to the United States. That It's just impressive. But to, uh, to those that lead, whether you're a first sergeant, an office chief, uh, or a commander, uh, that leadership in crisis has been, is, is truly the, the test of leadership. And when things are really difficult and we still are that successful, uh, that says a lot about not only just our individual team members, but those that lead them. And uh, so thanks to all them. So it's, it's been challenging, but I will tell you that uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting to be a better swimmer. And uh, I've got some really good uh, uh, support staff around me and, and help me and, and lift us up. So to that, it's been good. We, you touched, like I said, you touched on 2022. How do you see this year changing now that we're kind of shifting out of a pandemic in a sense? How do you see that shifting as far as maybe the mission goes? Uh, so, yeah, so I, I think there's, I'm starting to sense a little bit of a shift, uh, not just in the general public and with some of the things I'm hearing and reading is, is that we're moving away from the, the, the pandemic into more of an endemic. Right. Uh, in other words, it's here to stay. Uh, and, and, and if Omicron doesn't tell you anything, it's, it's, it's getting to be more like the flu than anything. Um, so that being said, uh, that, I look at that as an outlook of stability and that now maybe we can move toward some, some more consistent guidance, some more consistent application of, of, of rule sets and uh, operations because we need to learn how to operate within that. Uh, we, have, uh, we need to learn to operate as much with the COVID issues as we do with the flu, as we do with China, as we do with a butt flying, flying our budget being cut by 25%. An operational budget being cut by another 10 or 15 percent. Those things are all constraints that we have to operate in. So when I look forward to 2022, I look that uh, you know we have uh, we're going to have 100 percent of the force vaccinated at some point, and uh, that is pro providing some level of protection from at, at least death, right? But uh, some we know people are still getting sick, mm -hmm. but we can operate through that. We've proven we can operate through that, and we're going to have to continue to do that, and just do it safely. Just do it as best we can. And then uh, as we move forward, uh, get back on mission, you know, get this nuclear operational inspection out of the way. Uh, and then we deploy our ops and maintenance teams uh, uh, and deploy our security forces teams and, and get back into the normal routine of what we do as a wing. Um, so I'm hoping that 
things are a little bit more toward like what we were in 2019. We'll never be back to where we were. This is a new way of doing business. I think it's here to stay for a while. And, uh, but, uh, but I think we're a little bit more stable now than we were before. Uh, Chief, what are some things that uh, the senior enlisted can do to help junior airmen progress in their career? So mentorship is, is vital and important. Um, mentoring our airmen to the, to the best of their ability to provide them the resources um, to develop are, are things that we need to be doing on a, on a daily basis um, to, uh, across all ranks. So we currently have six or seven A1Cs in the wing that have bachelor degrees. Wow which is uh, amazing. You know, we get the, uh, the training roster from our training office every month, and each month I'm amazed to see the, the amount of education that our, our airmen are even coming in with. Um, but really to, to work with the airmen individually, to, to mentor them, to if they're not the mentor, then to find another mentor for them and encourage growth in the mentorship program that, that we have. And we have lots of resources um, for airmen from the education office. We have um, Chief Hinkle, who is our HRA, um, provides a lot of great training in conjunction with uh, Ms. Linda Shu, who's the Director of Psychological Health. They do um, various trainings, uh, resiliency training and the emotional intelligence training. So um, all things like that, the more that we're involved with our airmen, the more that we can offer them and work with them and help them develop it. It also develops us as leaders. And I, I think that's what we need to be doing is focusing on our airmen and making sure that they have all the resources that they need to um, develop themselves. Yeah, you mentioned it. Um, we can learn as senior leaders from our airmen. It's not, it's not a one-way street. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a two-way street, definitely. Uh, Colonel Jackson, at this time last year, vaccines were just coming out, and there was no mandate at the time. Now there's a mandate, and almost the whole wing is vaccinated, like you said, 95%. What is the status with those mandates? Anything changing? Uh, are we pr just continuing on with the mandates? Yeah, the, uh, the mandate's still there. Okay. Uh, it is a, a Secretary of Defense mandate, you know, so it's not a rule that's uh, implemented at the wing level or anywhere else. This is Secretary of Defense uh, has, has mandated that all military members will do this. Uh, each service gets to choose how they do it, which is why the Army National Guard has a different timeline than the Air Force and vice versa. But um, they're, they're here to stay. Um, ultimately, uh, I think in the future what's going to happen is the, uh, uh, just like the flu vaccine is part of our yearly requirement, uh, this will most likely become part of a yearly requirement just from a protection of the force kind of thing. Whether that's a booster once a year or how that works, I, I don't know, but um, I believe that's how it's going to go. And uh, as far as the boosters go, the latest uh, words from the Secretary of Defense is uh, still just highly recommending them and is not, uh, quote, um, we do not foresee mandating the booster. Uh, however, that could change. So once again, that'll be a that'll be a SecDef decision to make whether or not they mandate the boosters. But once again, if they just if that becomes part of our normal shot cycle, you know, when when I did anthrax, you had you had to take six shots, and uh, they were mandated at certain timelines, and you had to do them. And it was you know, and, and it was the same thing. There were people that said, "I'm not taking the anthrax shot," and there were people that left service mm -hmm. because of it. Uh, so whether that happens with the booster, I don't know. Uh, but but that's that's how I see things going. Okay. Going back to last year, speaking about that, Chief, the first time I met you was at Belclair Fairgrounds. You had an interesting uh, early part of last year. Can you tell us a little bit about what your, your position was? You were the legislative liaison? Or? The liaison between the, the county health department okay, that's right, yeah. and the joint staff at the Bel Belclair Fairgrounds. How long were you there? Six months. Wow. And what was your... what what, what what was your uh, daily routine or what have you, what you did? Did you oversee the troops that were there or were you m mostly working with the government? Mostly working with the government. Um, my position was strictly between the county health department and the, the joint staff. So if there were issues um, where the county needed something from the state, then I was that go-between person to, to make sure that the county had what they needed um, and however we could support the, the county in their operations. 
Uh, Colonel Jackson, I'll uh, ask you this question, and maybe I'll, I'll ask you uh, too, Chief. Uh, what was, what has the wing done this last year over 2021 that you are uh, proudest of? Oh uh, uh, well, yeah. You kind of said early on with you. Know, you just look at the number of awards and 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 actually the inspection performance for me, um, and I've and I've done many of them in my career, and I've been at them from uh, the airman level. I've been from the inspector level. I've been there from the evaluator level, and, and I've seen it as wing IG and and into my, my entire career to see what this wing did on two significantly and significant inspections in one year uh, was truly impressive because it did not indicate what they did that day or those two or three days that the team was here. It was, it was an indication of what this wing has been performing at that level for so long that it was just another thing we do. It just, it, it's just the normal operations, the way we do things. And it says a lot, and I heard that from the inspection team from the UEI that uh, our wing operates differently than other wings in such a way that when they come in, they see that it's not performance for the inspection team, it's their normal performance. And when you see someone normally performing at a certain level, the inspection is just something they, that an additional item they get done that day and they move on, they continue to operate at that high level. So to me, that uh, shows that but what was most impressive to me was not just that performance. Yes, it was years in, in the making. Yes, it was a, we've reached that standard level of performance, but we did that through COVID. You know, 18 months into COVID and we had two major inspections that were completed uh, that were well above the bar. And to me, that, that was the most impressive thing. Chief, what about, what about you? You jumped in the middle of this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I am just extremely proud of our, our airmen and the things that they have accomplished, especially in this constrained environment. Um, when I look at the, the 1206s from the Outstanding Airmen of the Year, um, just the amount of volunteerism that was still done during this constrained environment, the work, we have such talented um, airmen in our wing. And um, last week, I believe you spoke with Chief Blankenship, mm -hmm. um, who said our, our maintenance, we have the number one maintenance uh, mm -hmm. team, you know, um, tanker maintenance in the country. And, and it's across the wing. It's not just our maintenance guys, it's, it's everywhere I see that our airmen are really doing everything they can to be the best that they can be and, and going out of their way and helping each other with their resiliency and, and um, helping develop each other and be there for each other. So I'm really proud of our airmen, um, uh, O's and E's across the board. <laughs> What do you think, sir, about the, the challenge? And what's been the most challenging thing? I think we can all guess on what the challenge, most challenging thing was <laughs> last year, but. Uh, it's a mandate. It's a mandate. Oh, the yeah. mandate. Yeah. Okay, I was it thinking might... maybe the beginning of the beginning of last year, just with uh, inauguration that, and, and well, people That was being tough, gone. right. The, you know, in January of last year, like you said, like with the presidential support, and obviously we're coming up on the, the anniversary of January 6th. Uh, that was, uh, you laid that on top of the COVID because we had just started, uh, got up to about 120 or so that were deployed and we started in uh, early January and by the end of January, we were pretty close up at, actually by mid-February, we were pretty close to 100 plus that were deployed across the state for, for that. And on top of that was the presidential support. So yeah, that was, but, but that was just deployment. That was, right. you know, hey, we have a tasking. We had folks who were more than willing volunteers and we, it was amazing how many people stepped up, and sometimes it was their second time stepping up. Uh, we had people who did a second six or nine month tour in two years uh, right. working for the state. And uh, so to me, that, that wasn't difficult. To me, the, the mandates were difficult really? because it wasn't so much, hey, this is a direct order. It was the way in KT, the way it was enforced, the way the, the, the guidance came down, and everything was very difficult to manage from a uh, standpoint of, uh, well, how do I, how do we get this to the team and the membership and get the compliance to where it needs to be without getting people into a position where they wanted to leave service versus get the vaccine. Uh, so to me, that was the biggest challenge is, was to work with folks to convince them that my desire to have them in service uh, did not outweigh their desires, but I really wanted them to stay in because I, I really value their service. Um, but then at the same time, understanding their own decisions and their own desires and then supporting them. 
uh, supporting them in them, that, that if uh, they didn't agree with the mandate or they didn't agree with the vaccine or for whatever reason they didn't want it, um, supporting them and giving them the paths that they needed. Um, but the time spent on um, the, the vaccine mandate has been, uh, has, has been, in my opinion, very excessive and um, uh, has taken, a, taken away a lot of the focus from where I needed it to be, which was the mission and the people. Uh, so, uh, but the good part is I was able to re I was able to connect with a lot of people in the wing that I probably would not have normally connected at that level with, um, uh, a much more personal level, a much more uh, uh, interpersonal communication, and, and getting together with folks and really finding out what their deeply held beliefs were and why, and and, and getting to understand the, the real reasons on what what their challenges were. So, um, so for me that that's that, that's been more difficult than anything. Um, I never want to make it, have someone have to make a decision between a career and, and make life and career decisions based upon that, especially when they're looking at potential administrative actions or a separation or right. a, maybe a complete career change when they were getting closer to retirement. Uh, so th those are the kind of things that were really tough and trying to work with a lot of people through that. Uh one of the more difficult things too is getting days um, for mm -hmm. for the traditionals to come out and actually to do their jobs um, when we're only allowed one or two days um, per month or with the continuing resolution right now um, makes it very difficult um, even for our HRA to come out here you know during the week um, to get some extra time but across the board for the DSG's um, funding right now it, it just does not provide a um, enough time for them to get their back to basics or any kind of professional development or even just to, to come in and, and reacquaint themselves, you know, every month, it's just, we don't have the funding for it. So right now that's probably one of the more difficult um, issues that we have. Do you see that changing uh, soon? Uh, because I know we're under, the con con uh, we're under the continuing resolution. How does that, how does that, maybe you can answer it, or maybe uh, either of you about the, because I know the National Defense wasn't that the National Defense was, NDAA was passed, but that doesn't affect the National Guard, or how does that, how does that work? Do you? Do anybody you got, you got any know? Inputs? <laughs> so the, the NDAA is what authorizes the authorization of expenditure of money for the National Defense, so basically the military, okay. for this fiscal year. So the NDAA for this fiscal year allows us to continue to, but you need the budget to be signed. Oh. that allows to, to get out of a CR, a continuing resolution. So a CR says you will continue to operate on the previous year's budget plan, except you're only allowed to expend up to when that, that CR terminates. So right now we're into a CR of early February, which mm -hmm. means we're only allowed to, you, basically if you split up the year from October 1st through February 3rd, that's the amount of money we're allowed to spend. So mm -hmm. if it's 50% of the year, you're only allowed to spend 50% of that money for the year. So you, it, it's, it's like instead of turning the faucet on full blast and saying here's your, here's your available source for the year, it's they've turned it into a small trickle and when they want to turn it off they just shut it off and then you, you have to operate on whatever you have. So uh, do I see it changing? No. Uh, I, I, I foresee a very, very flat budget over the next several fiscal years which means no increase in budget for the DOD uh, and a potential, depending upon how the National Guard Bureau handles it, a potential reduction, a continued reduction of flying hours uh, and or budget for operations, um, operational budget, not just flying operations, but overall operations, um, in order to maintain Air National Guard presence or existing levels of personnel. So that, that's just my, kind of the way I see things, but I've been wrong before, so we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm hopeful that things will improve uh, as far as a budget standpoint, but it's, uh, it's the tightest I've ever seen it. Okay. Yeah, especially for um, basic skills training when yes. traditionals can only come out on a drill weekend and they they're not afforded that time to come out during the week uh, makes it very difficult and then you throw the professional development on top of it um, where they don't have the days to come in so we need to really be creative on, on how we can get them professionally developed um, where the command the guard command chief has this podcast and he has the the zoom on drill weekends but then on drill weekends that does cut into the the airmen's time yeah. to to work on their back to basic skills training um, so it, it's a it's definitely a balancing effort um, would like to see more days for our dsgs right. mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and with the with the constrained budget too, uh, me and the command staff are looking at right now. What are the things we can do here locally to ensure airmen get the time they need to both train and progress uh, from a professional standpoint? And where can we take risks and say, you know what, um, it's okay not to do this training right now because it's not beneficial for now. For example, um, do I need to do XYZ training every single year or can I do it every other year? I think there's several that we have that we could probably do every other year, maybe every third year. That's good enough. Um, to do certain things every single year when it's the exact same training every year uh, has become so redundant that uh, in my professional opinion, there are several things we can take some risks at. Uh, from that perspective, uh, certainly with uh, certain uh, experience levels, maybe not the youngest airmen, but certainly there are you know, a, a large portion of our career, for, uh, our team that may not need a specific training every single year. Maybe every third year is perfectly fine. And, uh, and then the youngest folks maybe get a little bit more often or, you know, those kind of things. And uh, so we're looking at that actively to say, well, if the, if the DOD or the SECAF or the International Guard Bureau is not willing to make adjustments on mandated training, which takes up time, well, then I'm going to say, well, then I'm not going to do some of this stuff. I'm going to request waivers uh, or, you know, maybe uh, uh, you know, slip it if I can where I'm taking care of the airmen's time. Give, that gives them more time. By taking away some of this mandated training and, and doing it in a different timeline or a different format uh, to make it more effective, then, uh, then we'll do that. Oh, we're talking about budgeting and all that, sir. Uh, what is the status of the KC-46 coming to the wing? I know you have a, a group working on that right now. Yes, sir. So uh, the last, the, the current mob. Uh, main operating base uh, announcements were just made. One was uh, a 24 aircraft uh, um, unit, you know, McDill Air Force Base was sele selected to be the next active duty wing to transition, and that won't be till 24, 25. So they're going to get 24. Uh, another squadron, the final squadron at McConnell, is now standing up. So that that's uh, the active duty there. Uh, we're still waiting on a formal announcement on the reserve unit with 12 aircraft for the next KC-46 for um, Air Force Reserve Command. Um, so as soon as that gets announced. So where's the Air National Guard is the next two main operating bases will be Air National Guard wings, 8 PAA with active associations. So the way that's defined right now is that doesn't necessarily mean that only those with an active association currently will be reviewed. Every Air National Guard wing, all 16 of us, are going to get looked at for a potential KC-46 replacement. Um, of that, they're going, to, they're going to pick six or seven that they actually go do site visits at sometime this year, probably over the summer, where one of those six of those six are going to look at and to validate the information that they have. Uh, in other words, on uh, critical infrastructure, ramp space, uh, those kind of things. Uh, and out of those six, two of those wings will be selected for aircraft arrival in FY 26 to 28. So that's the current plan. Uh, and as far as the 126, we are currently working on the information development and the answering the questions that are required to provide to the National Guard Bureau, because National Guard Bureau is going to be the one making the selection on this through the SECAF and with inputs by the Air, Air Mobility Command and uh, those kind of things. So. We're actually putting together, if you want to call it our proposal package, basically, what, what does the 126 have, what, what are our capabilities, and how can we support the KC-46 if it gets assigned here? So we're putting that package together. We are, like you said, we have a team together already. It's a, called a Program Migration Office, and we've already initiated that. And it was just to kind of get all that information, you know, take a look at the previous wings that were selected and wings that are operational. We did a visit to Pease Air National Guard Base up in uh, New Hampshire, uh, had an exceptional tour, got a chance to really get her hands on the airplane and in the airplane and see all the structures and the buildings and, uh, and then hear all of the lessons learned from that wing was, was truly eye-opening to, to know exactly what we needed to do to be better prepared, not only for the selection process, but that if we do get selected, that we will be further ahead than other units that once they get announced that, that where they are. So uh, timeline, I foresee uh, uh, sometime this summer getting a site visit. And then uh, about this time next year, potentially uh, getting notification of who those two units are going to be. So, 
Okay. And uh, I, I think the 126 is very well positioned. So we'll have to see how it goes. Chief, what are some good resources to help uh, airmen further their careers? I know we talked a little bit about maybe coming in, trying to get some days to come in if that's available, but there's other resources out there. There are other resources. There's, we have lots of resources. Um, uh, the first resource is obviously going to your first sergeant, to your supervisor, and, and utilizing them. They have a, uh, a wealth of knowledge themselves. We have our, our HRA and Linda Shu, um, Director of Psychological Health. Um, something that, the, that you and PA helped us set up was the Air Force Connect app, and we have a, a wing page on there that with a calendar that gives information. There's a, a first sergeant's group, and each group can create their own page from that, and I think that's been very helpful. We have one for the chief's group and for the first sergeant's group as a way of kind of spreading that information. So uh, social media is also a, a good resource um, used correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, you have all, the, all your podcasts that you had come out with. Um, Airmen and Family Readiness has a, a page out there. Um, Leadership University on Facebook is, is very good, um, has lots of uh, resources regarding leadership. Um, and then just knowing your, you know, your foundational competencies and, and how to better build your skills, that's all on uh, my vector. And again, the Air Force Connect app can really help with that. Kind of streamlines yeah. all the, the resources together. So there are uh, there are more resources than, she nor I or any of the command staff or any first sergeant could ever present, to any member. Uh, military members today have access to more resources for development than they've ever had in, in my my entire career. Uh, I'm coming up on 33 years, and I've never in my life. Uh, in the military, and I'm and I'm the type of person who actively seeks things to do and learn and and, and grow, and uh, I've never I, I'm I'm kind of overwhelmed, and that there's so many different things I can do. Even today at my level, there are things I can look at and get into that I, I had no idea were were even out there. Yeah. So all we can do as leaders, and I encourage all the commanders and first sergeants and shop chiefs to to, to get to know this a little bit better, is uh, we can only do so much. We can you know, the whole lead the horse to water kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We need every airman and every junior officer to be proactive and take that step to go, hey, boss, what, 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 what do I need to be doing? How am I doing now? What can I be doing now or in the future to get myself prepared for your job? Right. Hey, I, I want to be the PA chief someday. How am I going to do that? Um, and if the, the members don't come to us, we, we can't go to our 900 members and individually and, and counsel every single one every single day. Um, but I will sit and talk with all 900 of them if they ask me the question and say, how can I get better? I'll spend that time. You better believe I will. Uh, but uh, so we, we will always uh, push out everything we can. And sometimes it might seem like there's a lot. Uh, but uh, we really encourage every single member to take the time to, to, to take, take advantage of it. Grow. There's so much opportunity to get free education that you could put on your personal resume for your private jobs. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. And even um, for the CCAF, we have so many individuals, uh, airmen in the wing, that probably have all their requirements filled already. And the past two drills, we've had classes on um, how to get your CCAF degree, how to get your transcripts from your school to the CCAF, and had some individuals, you know, that, that presented that. Um, uh, Sergeant Williams and Sergeant Leiter, Sergeant Schaefer from the training office, they all uh, dedicated their time to, to help members get their CCAF degree. Um, and some of them had no idea that, that they were even eligible for their CCAF degree. So sometimes it's just that knowing and, and, and communicating with your airmen um, daily, you know, what are their needs, what are their wants, where do they, what, what are their career paths? Um, but we have lots of uh, resources in the wing and training opportunities. Yeah. I will say, uh, and this goes for everybody, that, and I've been saying this years and years and years, is that uh, the, the, the days of old, of the old Air National Guard, where, you know, uh, everyone stayed till age 60 and, you know, air, you know officers stayed till their 28th year as a lieutenant colonel, and that kind of stuff is going away, especially now with more AGRs. But, uh, um, 
the, the, since they're not staying as long, people need to be prepared for that next level maybe sooner than they thought. And you need to be prepared to walk through that door when the door opens. So when an opportunity presents itself, it's really important for people to be ready to walk through, which means you need to take the step early to, do I have all my requirements for a CCAF or do I already have a degree, but it's not on my record? Well, then maybe you need to get that in there. You know, uh, if you are a, a captain and haven't done your SOS yet, but you're eligible for major next year, you're late. You're well behind the power curve. And uh, same thing with NCO Academy or senior. If, if you haven't done those things to, be, to have that box checked and be ready to go to that next step, then you're behind. Uh, because uh, um, just a few short examples, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Mike Mahalik, our CES commander, our CE commander, was recently selected to be the chief of staff, uh, director of staff for the uh, Air National Guard in Illinois. So he is now moving off his CE commander position. It will be, uh, be going to get promoted to 06 because he had, had prepared himself well in advance and got selected for a senior staff position. He's going to get promoted, and that opens up a vacancy here in the wing, and now we're going to be advertising for a new commander. As that person, whoever gets selected for that, they might open up a position. So it reverberates down. It's not just a single position. Our maintenance squadron commander position, uh, uh, Major Dan Reed, got selected for a position down in Texas. He has now left our wing and he's moved on. Uh, Chief DeBusk, who was supposed to retire, uh, we needed his help, so we moved him over to the supply chain to be a chief over there and selected uh, Senior Mess Sergeant Dave Lorig to be the FSS chief. Um, all of these positions reverberate two, three, four, six, ten levels down, because as a Senior moves into a chief position, a senior, another master needs to move into a senior, and then that master might open up. And it, you know, sure. next thing you know, you have an A1C position opened up that the recruiting gets to hire. And that's where we need to get ready. So, so being prepared for that next step, uh, and I can tell you from my personal experience, uh, by me getting my PME done at certain times in my career, I was able to, I, I was sometimes the only person qualified for that next position because I had my things done. So prepare yourself, be ready, uh, but not just box check. Right. You, you have to, it has to be a whole airman concept. It has to be, you know, you might be a paper tiger with all kinds of great documents and all kinds of different certificates and degrees and training, but you just don't know how to deal with people. Well, let me help you work on that. Let's work on the people skills. And then you won't be a paper tiger, you'll be a true leader. And that's what we need. We're getting close to wrapping up. I okay. just wanted to um, ask you both, what are your goals for the wing, what do you see uh, ahead for the wing and what you'd like to see the wing uh, maybe accomplish this year if we haven't accomplished everything already? Uh, so this, this year, um, uh, back to the basics routine is, uh, once again, I'm kind of putting um, uh, pandemic, endemic response uh, operations as just one of, our, one of the things we operate with. So that being said, uh, is execute the mission uh, that we have to execute. You know, so we have folks deploying, uh, we have uh, uh, as expected, I get my first five COVID taskings today for COVID response in the, in the state. So getting our normal missions done, uh, but really taking care of our, our folks. And, and, and my goal this year is to take another step toward. I've been here, I've been in my position for a little bit now. So is, is who is being groomed for not only my position, but Chief Rizzo's position and the group commander's positions. And because we're, we're all in a continual process of improvement and growth. So growing our bench and growing our leadership teams. We have, like I explained earlier, with different commander positions opening up and different other positions opening up is what, how big is our bench and how strong is our leadership team to be able to fill that from within? And I wanna be able to always grow from within. Uh, that's the best way to do it. The people know the mission, they know the people, and that's the best way to do it. So my goal this year is to execute the mission, again, at, that, at the highest level. Um, build a successful KC-46 proposal that uh, meets muster, we get the visit, and then ultimately by the end of the year, we, we get notified that we are one of the two that gets selected for KC-46 because to me, that is the wing's 30-year plan. Um, I know I won't be here that long, uh, but I know the wing needs to be there. We're, we're, we're our 72nd anniversary as a wing, uh, 95th anniversary as a, 90, as a 108th Air Fueling Squadron. I, I wanna get to 130. You know, so uh, in order to do that, we need to innovate. We need to be part of that culture of, of how can we operate this airplane in such a way that the Air Force needs it. So that's, that's what we want to do this year. Chief. Chief. 
So uh, some of the goals that, that I have for, for the wing is that all the airmen have the opportunities that, that they want. Um, for airmen, the top three council, the rising six council, really to be a part of those and involved in those councils I think is important. Um, really want to encourage all the, the airmen to get out there and officer councils or um, because that is that's where their voice is heard so they can um, talk to their peers, they can mentor each other, um, really kind of get those motivated again, the, the different councils. Um, back to basics. You know, um, again, it goes with, with funding. How much, how much <laughs> funding are we going to have to bring people in to, to develop them, and encourage the uh, the different development because it's important at a at a strategic level. We we need them to be able to strategically think to to move up into these other positions um, that we're going to have vacant. We're not going to be here forever. You know, our like I said earlier, a couple of our airmen they have uh, bachelor's degrees already which is incredible. I think we have a couple that have a master's and one that has a doctorate degree wow. um, in our enlisted force. So that's very competitive as, as, they're, as they start submitting packages to do different development opportunities. Their education makes them a little bit more competitive. Um, and I, I just like to help them and give them the resources that they need to be able to develop more and to become more competitive. We have some amazing members in our wing, and uh, like Colonel Jackson said, maybe not everything is documented. Maybe their education's not documented in the correct spot um, for the senior enlisted joint PME. Uh, very important that our, our leaders are familiar with that and have completed that um, to be competitive um, for different development opportunities. So. I think you buried the lead, sir. You said there were some new taskings came down from state. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's just uh, as expected, right, with the uh, uh, exceptional rise in cases across the state, really sure. across the nation. If you look at the graph of the entire nation, I think the Colorado Rockies above 10,000 feet are the only place that the Omicron's not hitting because uh, nobody lives there. But, um, yeah, across the state, they're just looking for some help at the Joint Force headquarters to, uh, once again, the Joint Force headquarters and the Department of Military Affairs for the state of Illinois has been a huge win for uh, the state of Illinois. And the, the governor has got a newfound respect and love for the National Guard, uh, both Army and Air, and what we've done for the state of Illinois over the last two years. So really, the Joint Force headquarters is looking for some help uh, on some taskers just to help with administrative type stuff, okay. tracking cases, tracking... Uh, supply stuff um, throughout the state. So just five numbers, five people that they're looking for. And it's across the state. It's not just wing, oh, okay. our wing, but it's across the state. So, But that's usually how it starts. That's usually how it starts <laughs> is they start with a couple and then you need a couple things here and then they're going to, hey, let's set up a couple testing sites. And, we, and as the chief can attest, uh, we do it exceptionally well in the state of Illinois. So um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not with this. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But okay. you're always pre I'm always prepared. Always we just, I just talked about this yesterday to some folks. I said, I'm surprised I haven't seen any taskings yet. Um, but, uh, and it's really just an ask. They're, they're just looking for some folks to help up there right now. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Chief. Thank you for joining us for the 126th Air Refueling Wing Town Hall. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. Uh, make sure you join us online as well. Uh, like our Facebook page, our Instagram. You can uh, see what's happening around the wing. And, and as Chief mentioned, she mentioned uh, the Air Force Connect app. You can find that on uh, wherever you get your, uh, your apps for your phone. Thanks again for joining us, I'm Master Sergeant Brian Ellison for the 126th Public Affairs.
If you're having thoughts of suicide or know someone in crisis, call the Military Crisis Line, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. You can press the number one. That's for uh, military and veterans. There is a chat line uh, also. You can chat through their website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Another way to get help is the crisis text line. Text the word HELP, H-E-L-P, to 838-255. The crisis text line, again, text H-E-L-P to 838-255. The 126th Air Refueling Wing Mentorship Program is up and running. If you want to find out more, you can go to their link, uh, their link tree account. It's linktr.ee forward slash 126 ARW mentorship. You can find all of our links on the link tree, uh, link tr.ee uh, forward slash 126 ARW. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can also download this on your favorite podcast uh, app. Uh, just, uh, well, look us up, roll call. Uh, one, two, six, I, I believe, yeah, roll, just look up roll call. You'll find it. Uh, or you can go, uh, well, go to our Facebook page and probably follow it there. Or, you know, better what yet, go back to, uh, link tr.ee forward slash one, two, six, a R W. If you want to pass along some information, you can email roll call at one, two, six dot a R W dot P A dot M M dot O R G at us.af.mil. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Tech Sergeant Brian Ellison. 100. 50. 30. 20. 10. 9.